I am going to start out with a story. Of course, that's my M.O. I think you all know that by now. And there were some boys that they were herding. This boy was herding his father's sheep. And across the valley, there was another young boy that was herding his father's sheep. Both of these boys grew up in the same neighborhood. Both of these boys were good friends. They would often play with each other, yell at each other, have fun with each other. But one day while they were herding the sheep, there's a severe storm. And in that storm, they had to take refuge. So they did, they took it underneath a ledge with the sheep for protection. When the storm ended, it was time to go home, but the boys then had a problem. The sheep have gathered together. Mm. And they didn't know how to separate one from another. They knew some of the sheep, but they didn't know about the other sheep, which was theirs and which was not. Finally, in desperation, in fearing that they would be scolded, they started home in different directions. One going down one path, the other going down the other path. And what happened, the sheep separated perfectly. Each sheep followed his own shepherd. Each sheep followed his own master. Let us pray. The God of this universe, the God of this Sabbath, the God of this church. Lord, use your servant. Hide me behind the cross. May your words be spoken today. My, will this room be filled with thy Holy Spirit? We just praise you, God, for the God you are in all things. Amen. The title of this message is Choice in the Fire. Brothers and sisters, may I say to you that we are in the midst of a great controversy. There's a real devil. There's a real Jesus. And they are fighting a real battle. And the battle is for each one of us. This puts us in the middle of the battle with choices to be made. And I might advocate to you that our major choices will be in the battle of fire. See, we have this illusion that following Christ, we will not have conflict. As we saw in this Sabbath school lesson this week, following Christ is not a freedom of conflict. Today I chose to do a sermon as I was in prayer. I wasn't quite finished with preparation, and I got a call and was asked this week, and I said, sure, we'll do it. So I went to prayer, and the sermon today of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. If you would like to follow along, it is Daniel chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. That's who we'll be looking at today. 
And we have King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he takes over Jerusalem, just as the prophecies predicted. But what stood out with me was not verse 1, it was verse 2. In verse 2, it says, The Lord, the Lord gives. The Lord allows. He allowed the capture of Jerusalem. We see it is the same back then as it is today that God is in control of all nations. Amen? So after arriving and bringing the captives back to Babylon, the king ordered in verse 3 to select the best of the Jewish young men of royal descent for training. Their qualifications, they were to be healthy, handsome, intelligent, self-disciplined, and well-mannered. You know, when I read this, I thought to myself, I saw a little bit of Quran in there. Huh? Then I thought about our young man, Elder Ivan, in there. And I was thinking, my goodness, they would have been some of the chosen. After arriving in Babylon, after they were chosen, they were also, in verse 7, they were castrated. Then on top of that, their identity were taken away. Their names were changed, and the meaning of their new names were servants of God of Babylon. I want us to look at this for a moment because I want you to see the trauma and the struggle that these three young men, and they were young men that were going through. Their country has just been destroyed. They are now prisoners. They are taken out of their land and taken to a foreign country. They are violated on a personal level. And their name is changed from a Hebrew name to a heathen name. Yet these young men had a choice to make. Just as we will have to make choices when we have our adversity come into our life. But these young men chose to remain faithful. They continued to be an example of a true Christian. They stood firm in their faith, in their upbringing. And I'm sure their hearts said, you can do all this to me, but what you can't do is change my character. Whoa. Did you understand that? You can do this to me, but you can't change my firmness, my belief in Christ. And now after being chosen, they had another choice to make. You know, that old guy with the horns that we picture and all, he doesn't change. He's the same as he was back then as he is today with the same tricks. This as the trick that was in Garden of Eden, the temptation of our Lord in the wilderness, and now in Babylon he does the same. It's the same battle that you and I have. It's over the battle of diet and food. 
in my world is called Ben and Jerry. In case you don't know it, you don't need to know it. It's a delicious, creamy ice cream. In your world, it might be something else. See, they were being treated as royalty. They were going to be fed the same menu that the king had at his table. The same wine. Put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in today. You're invited to the White House. You are sitting there with your colleagues. And they bring out that beautiful filet mignon. What's, what's dripping on it is that wonderful, delicate, delicate lobster bisque. Then on the side of it, they have the bacon-wrapped shrimp. And of course, your salad, real bacon chips. What choices are we making? I'll tell you the choices they made in verse 8. They would not eat off the king's table. They would not defile their body with unclean meat. The choices we make and the choices they made always has an effect on others. Once they made that choice, the chief to the king became afraid for his life. See, if these young men were not as healthy as the other, and the gentleman that was in charge of them allowed them off their diet, it would be his life. But these young men came together with Daniel, and they asked, give us this ten days of eating the Hebrew diet of vegetables and water. A diet taught to them as young men. The diet that was given to us at the beginning of creation. The diet that was recommended to us in the spirit of prophecy. Now, after so many years, and ouch, I know I'm stepping on toes because mine are hurting. The diet, after so many years, that the AMA has now said is the best diet there is. By the way, AMA is the American Medical Association. And at the end of 10 days of this test, they looked healthier and they were stronger. Now watch this. After three years, we see in verse 18, the king examined and found after three years, not only were they stronger in a physical way, but their mental capacity was also more than the others. See, God was not only glorified by their choices to follow His plan, but they were rewarded by a choice of the king, and they were made permanent members of the court. Man, God is always working behind the scenes. And then things are going nice. This is when we need to be careful. See, everything was going along good, then Nebuchadnezzar, king, and he asked them to explain the dream, but none of them could tell him the dream or the meaning. Get into a corner, 
By the way, I've had to change some of my illustrations today to protect me. My family's here. So as I float around, I'm going to be using some illustrations and some I might not. Uh, in verse chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But you, O mighty king, may you live forever. I changed the parent from husband or wife. Yet we know we're in trouble. And we start out, Mom, you're special. Or as I tell my wife, Honey, you know I love you. You're the most beautiful woman that I've ever met. And I mean that. And I don't, sometimes I do use it, but I do mean it. Uh, then they spoke. Afterwards, they spoke to the king, all these wise men, and they said, Oh, mighty there. And King Nebuchadnezzar ordered all the wise men in Babylon to be executed. This included Daniel and his three friends, the young Hebrew boys. They were indirectly affected by others. Wow. Did you catch that? They were indirectly affected by others. But Daniel wasn't worried. He said, I want to see the king. And when they met, he told the king, he said, I will not only have your vision, I will have the total meaning for you the very next day. See, Daniel was a man of faith. His choice under fire was to pray. But Daniel didn't pray along. alone. He brought the three Hebrew boys with him. And they prayed to the God of heaven. And they asked to have mercy on him. See, this was nothing new to either one of them. Each day they would pray. Each day they would put on God's armor. When Daniel and his three friends had a choice, they also knew the God they served would not leave them. Because God had a purpose for them. God has a purpose for you and I also. God will not leave us. We might leave Him. It was through the trials and choices that they continued to grow. Can you see it? As they came out as young men in the trials, and each one was building up to a point that even if another man's dream that they could ask God and He would give the answer to them. What Christ was doing with Daniel and his three Hebrew boys is the same that He does with us. He continues to prepare us in the little choices for the major ones that were been on my mind was what? Oh, my credit cards. i got to cancel them. Oh, I'm going to be leaving. It's your will. After two hours, I figured, well, it might not be His will. You know, I said, oh, so I went in the office, I made a couple phone calls, I canceled some credit cards, and I said, I want to call my wife, I was, you know, and I said, honey, you're not going to believe what happened. I've lost my cards, my credit cards, my license. She said, you know, all of a sudden, it came into my mind to look at a certain place. And I looked, and guess what was there? All my credit cards, my license, 
I had to call each one back up and reorder my credit cards. The point that I'm getting to is when I was talking to my better half, I told her I prayed and she said I did too. What a God we serve. He answers in His own time and He gives us the answers and the little things so when we face the big things, He'll be there. But how soon in chapter 3, 1, we see Nebuchadnezzar forgot. Yes, for a time he was influenced by God, but his heart was not totally cleansed from his worldly ambitions. Ouch. He was still dealing with self. Oh, brothers and sisters, how many of us are in that battle? You know, we saw where Daniel interpreted the dream of the image in chapter 2, and watch how King Nebuchadnezzar answers him in chapter 2, verse 47 and 48, the king praises the God of Daniel for his blessing. Oh, how guilty I am as time goes on. I too begin to forget what God has done for me. I too get a little comfortable and secure. And I'm sorry to say some things of this world. Oh, careful how careful we have got to be to stay focused, to keep our eyes on that finish line. Nebuchadnezzar decided to reject Daniel's interpretation of God in his everlasting kingdom. So the king in his own wisdom built the statue just like the one in the dream. But I want you to pick this up because it is so... I never picked it up before. He made that statue from the head to the feet out of what? Gold. And what did his nation represent? Gold. What he was showing that his nation was indestructible, all-powerful, and that it would stand forever not God's kingdom. Not only did he build this big image, he invited, and I love this, he invited, have you ever been invited by order? That's how it was. He invited everybody by order in a degree that all the officers, the governors, the judges, the treasurers, the house and the senate, the supreme court justices, to come for the dedication and have the celebration. And then the announcement was made that when the trumpet sound, you are to bow down and worship the golden statue. And anyone who did not would be thrown into the fire of the furnace. I want you not to miss this. Because this is so important. Motivation for worship. The motivation for worship was out of fear. Fear because of the consequences. The consequences of the fire. Brothers and sisters, fear is never a sustainable or lasting motivation. Of true worship, it will eventually wear off. 
the three friends had a choice. If they refused to worship the golden statue, they would face the fire. They understood the act of bowing was an act of worship. And such an honor was only given to one God. That's the God in heaven. That's the God that you and I worship. They also knew from an upbringing that the disobedience to, to God would result in dishonor, disaster, even death. The king was outraged. He called for the three young men after being told that there was three in the crowd that would worship. And as the young Hebrew boys were in front of the king, the king said, don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I asked you to do? I know you misunderstood, but I'm going to give you one more choice. And if you don't, I'm going to throw all three of you into the fire. This time, the threat was directed directly at the Hebrew boys. This time, the motivation was their self-preservation. The motivation of self-preservation will lead to compromise. Ouch. Did you understand that? The motivation of self-preservation will lead to compromise. And my, do we have a wicked heart and we know how to compromise. And there was a choice to be made under fire. But listen to this. When we do not compromise, we become a witness. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in that one act. This, that one act was a witness to an entire nation. Amen. Which brings me to a point. We think to be a witness, we need to go out and give a Bible study. We think to be a witness, we need to go tell somebody about the Sabbath. Both of them things, and I give Bible studies, and I love to talk about the Sabbath, and I love going over the history of the Sabbath. Both of those things are important. Both of those things are very, very to let other people know. They're good. But may I suggest to you that being a witness is by treating our spouses with respect. May I suggest to you that being a witness is being kind and good to our children and grandchildren and bringing them up in a godly home. May I suggest to you it is being kind and loving to one another. May I suggest to you it's not being like the world. Ouch. Then we see Nebuchadnezzar at the end of chapter 3, verse 15, he does something that, my goodness, he challenges God. And what does he say? He says, no one, not even your God, can stop me. What the king didn't understand is that he might sit on this throne on earth 
but the God that the Hebrew boys served sit on a higher throne in heaven. And after a while, our choices will come naturally. There'll come a time when we don't have to think of our choice under fire. We just obey. And they answered the king, we don't need to think about our decision. The God we serve is able to deliver us. But if he chooses not to, we still will not bow down and worship your golden statue. They stood out and they stood erect. They were a testimony to God. But you know, as they were up there, they looked around the platform and they saw all the other colleagues bowing down to the statue. There was a reason that the others were bowing down. Their jobs was given to them by an earthly king. Say, may I say to you, the way you get a job is the way you'll have to keep it. If by lying, excuse me, if by lying, you'll have to continue on lying. If by deceit, you'll have to continue to be deceitful. And if by politics, you'll have to continue to be a politician. See, these Hebrew boys knew something. They knew that the their position has been given to them by God. And what God gives, no one can take away but God Himself. The choice made under the fire for these young Hebrew boys will build up of many years of faithful service. Boy, the king was hot. Not as hot as he was going to make that first. We see, he said, turn up the fire. Turn it up seven times hotter. See, when we chose to follow God, turn up the fire. When we chose to follow the Sabbath, turn up the fire. When we chose not to compromise God's law, turn up the fire. The fire was so hot that the clothes of the gods caught on fire and burned them up. I don't want you to miss this next thing the Hebrew boys that were being thrown in the fire were bound in verse 23. Their hands and feet were bound going into the fire. The fire burned up what was binding them. When I look at the spiritual side of this, are we not also bound we're bound in sin. We're bound with habits. We're bound with addictions. And by our choice to be in the fire, we are refined and unshackled with what is binding us to this world. If we choose to follow God, we will be put in the fire and we will be unshackled. Now watch this. King Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fire. Didn't we throw in three? But now there's four walking around. And one of them looks like the Son of God. 
we got a pagan king, right? How does he know what God looks like? How does he know what the Son of Man looks like? I took some liberty today and I asked a couple people if I could use some illustrations that are, will sit home with each one of us. And I'm humbly going to use these illustrations. And I hope I don't end up with tears in my eyes. It's when you have a limb cut off and you have to relearn how to walk. And you're laying in a veteran's hospital week upon week. That you're in the fire. But while you're in the fire, you're still praising God. Others will see Christ in you. And Christ will be with you. Ask John Gardner, our brother, as he lays at the Veteran Hospital today, learning how to rewalk while his limb was taken away. But he is praising God every day. And he is uplifting. When I have prayer with him, he uplifts me in his testimony. May I also. It's when you receive notice that you might have terminal cancer. That you're in the fire. But you choose to continue to study God's Word. You still come to Wednesday night prayer meeting. You still praise God. I saved you. Others see Christ in you. And Christ is with you. Ask Jenna. I submit to you it was by the choice that these three men made to follow Christ in the fire. They were an example while they were filling the position of trust in Babylon. They told others about Christ, not only in words, but also in actions. So while in the fire, others saw Jesus. And Christ was with them. You know, Christ said, we will have struggles. He all said, I will not keep you from the fire, but I will be in the fire with you. I will not keep you from struggles. Oh, mercy. Are you hearing me? But I will be in the struggles with you. The faith of these young men were prepared by choices made up to this time while remembering their youth. And I can envision them in a circle with their family studying Isaiah 43 too. With your permission, I will read it again because I don't want you to miss it. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned nor shall the flame scorch you. My, my goodness. The Lord is preparing us for a time, just as in the days of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're in the closing period of earth history. I believe that with all my heart. I don't know when, but I look all around, and I know my time is short. And we'll have choices to make. And we'll have to choose which God we will serve. 
You remember the story at the beginning. Both boys went in different directions. And the sheep followed their master home. Here's the choice. Who is going to be the shepherd of your life? Which path are you going to follow home? Will it be the love of the power of this earth? Or will it be the love of heaven? Will it be Christ our Savior who said, Yes, we will have trouble. We will have sorrow. We will have tears on this earth. But we will have a reward of eternity. In Revelation 21.4 it says, Jesus said He will wipe away every tear. Not some, every tear. There will be no more death. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more crying. And there will be no more pain. Or will your choice be to follow Satan? Yes. He'll give you the rewards of this earth. He'll offer you worldly wisdom. He'll offer you money. It's only going to end up in darkness and ashes. My choice, and I hope it's your choice, is to give give my heart to Jesus. My question to you today, because I never want to miss the opportunity while I'm up here. Are you willing to surrender all to Jesus? My question to you, if that is your desire, to surrender all to Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand. See, this is an outward acknowledgement of an inward decision. In Luke 12, 8, it says, If you will acknowledge me, I will acknowledge you. Before my Father, is there anyone else? Just to surrender all. Amen. Amen.